0: Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. All right, let's jump into today's message. We are continuing this series called Better. So everybody just look at your neighbor and say, each one of these messages gets better and better. Come on. Just tell him it gets better and better. And here's what we've discovered is that God has a better life for you. That so many times we are satisfied with trying to live the good life. That so many times in our lives we're satisfied with, man, if I could just get, you know, if I could get some stuff and I could have a nice house and drive a nice car, and if I didn't have too many problems or things that are happening in my life, if I could just kind of have the good life, that would be be great. But God says, "No, no, no, no. I have something even better for you. I don't want you to settle for the good life when you can experience the better life. You can experience the the God life. In fact, what we've been doing in this series is we've been kind of studying through this book in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and open them up to the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's what we've discovered in the book of Ecclesiastes, as, as we've already studied through it just a little bit, that Ecclesiastes was written by this guy named Solomon. And if anybody lived a good life, it was Solomon. I mean, he was, he was the king of Israel. He was one of the greatest kings that ever lived. He had one of the greatest kingdoms that has ever been known to to man here on this earth, and yet here's this guy who has everything that anybody could ever want, and yet in Ecclesiastes we read that he's questioning some stuff in life. In fact, if you've been studying through it uh, over this last week in your Bible study method, you'd see, man, there's some stuff in there where it's like he's questioning some stuff, and he's looking at some stuff in life, and he's going, man, I have all this stuff, but all this stuff seems to be meaningless, like it doesn't seem to be enough. He says, basically, there's got to be a better way. Like, I had all that man could have and all that you could ever want, and yet it's not enough and there's just got to be something out there that is better for me. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, basically he discovers what it is. He says all this other stuff is really just meaningless if you don't have God in your life. And when we really come down to kind of just the, I mean, the key thought of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, the key thought of of this whole series really is this, if you're taking notes, you might want to write it down, is that God's ways are better. In fact, why don't you say that with me today? God's ways are better. Come on, say it again. God's ways are better. That, e- that Ecclesiastes, that, that Solomon says, hey, I've tried all the other ways. I've tried all the things that the world has to offer, and they weren't enough. There is a, a better way, and that is to do life God's way way. And that's what we've been studying in this series. In fact, we've just pulled out four verses from the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're just talking about, in fact, each one of these verses use the word better in them, and we're talking about them in this series. Last week, we talked about how wisdom is better. If you weren't here for last week, man, you need to listen to the podcast. I, I believe that'll help you in your decision making. Next week, let me tell you this. Next week, we're going to talk about probably my favorite of the messages for this series. We're going to be talking about... How less is better. And how many times in life do we fill our lives up with all this stuff thinking that, man, it's going to make me happy, but it doesn't make us happy. And I'm telling you, if you don't, if you're going to miss a week, make sure it's not next week. All right. You don't want to miss that. Then we're going to talk about how finishing is better. But today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how together is better. Everybody say that today. Together is better is better. Together. Together is better. In fact, this is what we're all about here at LifeGate, isn't it? I mean, we say it every single week, don't we? In the announcement video, you hear it from us. Let's do life what? Let's do life together. This is what we're all about. And here's the deal. The reason we are all about that here at LifeGate is because this is what God's all about. He's about doing life together. In fact, look what the scripture has to say about it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Look what it says. It says, for you are Members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you what? Everybody say this word you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Here's what the scripture says the scripture says that you belong in a family that being that that being a christian is not just about what you believe although that is important but it's also about where you belong it's about it's, it's about doing something that's bigger than yourself it's about being a part of a family about being a part of something that is bigger than you and this is the way god designed us to live this is the better way to live together is Better And yet, so many people don't live this way. In fact, a survey that was recently done by the the American Sociology Review says this, that the average American only has about two close friends. I want you to think about that in your life. How many really close friends do you have? And here's the deal is that, is that within the last 25 years, it's gone from the average American having two close, or six close friends to now the average American only having two. Check this out. One stat tells us that one in every four Americans report that they do not even have one close friend. And yet God has so much better for us. Right. He has relationships that he wants us to be involved in. This is what he created us for. And yet the truth is that so many people are not experiencing the better way of life that God has for us to experience. And here's the thing is that our society is actually pulling us further and further and further away from this better together life that God intends for us to live. In fact, I just, I just thought about a few ways that society kind of keeps us from living this kind of better together type of life that the scripture teaches us about. I just wrote down four. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down here today. The first, one, the first one is this, is that there's an increased focus on independence. Isn't that true? Like, I mean, think about that. Isn't this like a great cultural value in America today? Like, we we, we celebrate it. We strive towards it. In fact, we even have a document that is called the Declaration of what? (laughs) Of independence. Like, this is what we're all about here in America. Like, if you're a parent here, what do you want? You want your child to grow up, to be mature, and to be what? To be independent right and so many times man this is like the way that we live our life like i want to be my own man i want to be my own woman i want to be independent i want to call my own shots i want to do my own thing this is the american way but here's the truth is that this is not the god way in fact, I mean, you see, you see in the scripture you, that, that, that God desires for us not to be independent, but for us to be dependent upon him and upon each other, right? Come on, it's not independent, it's interdependence. And yet so many times in our life, like we're struggling and striving for this. for this, let me be independent on my own, and that's not the best life that God desires for us. Here's another one. Write this one down. That our culture is drawing us away from the together type of life is in increased mobility. Here's the deal. Now think about this. In previous generations that went before us, like people would live in the same town, maybe the same neighborhood, maybe even the same house for their entire life, right? But nowadays, like in our, in our world today, people move, move all the time. In fact, statistics tell us that the average American moves now every five years. That actually, if you are one that is in between the ages of 20 and 40, you actually move every three years. Think about it. Like when I was a kid, my parents moved around a lot, but I always found them, you know. So, (laughs) but here's the deal here's the deal is this the way that it is? Like more and more in, in America, in our society, like we've gone from a, from a society where people would live in the same place, in the same town, in the same neighborhood for years and years and years. And what happens when you live in that same place for a long time? You know everyone and they know you and you have relationships. But what happens when we move to a different town or a different neighborhood or a different house every three years? How many know it makes it difficult to do a together type of life? Number three, write this one down, is that there's an increase in modern Conveniences. In fact, the the, the modern conveniences of life today tend to draw us more and more and more into isolation. In fact, I like what one author said about it. He said it all started way back with the invention of the air conditioner. You say, well, how's that? It doesn't have to do with anything. Well, here's what it has to do with anything. How many remember, some of you don't remember, but you might have seen it on TV in the old days, in the old days before there was air conditioner, it was hot inside, especially in Texas, right? And so in the evenings when it's hot, what did everybody do? Went outside, and where'd they go? They went out on their front porch, right? And what happens when nobody has air conditioner? Everybody's out on the front porch, and what happens? You see the neighbors, kids are playing in the yard, you're building relationships, getting to know each other, whatever, but then along comes what? The air conditioner, and what happened? Everyone went inside. And then when we do go outside, we go out to the porch, but we don't go out to the front porch. Where do we go? We go to the to the back porch with our privacy fences around the backyard, right? And what happens is this draws us more and more and more and more into isolation. And it didn't stop with the with the invention of the air conditioner, because after that, then what did we invent? We invented attached garages. Come on, right? How many remember the old TV shows, or maybe you've seen the old houses where you have the house and then you have the garage and they're not attached? Right, And so when you drive the car into the garage, what do you have to do? You have to walk from the garage to the house. You have to go outside, which means you might have to actually see someone, right? You might actually have to talk to a neighbor and maybe even get to know them, right? But nowadays, what do we have? We have a garage that is attached to the house. And then we invented this little thing. It's so, so marvelous. It's called the garage door opener, right? I mean, you used to have to get out of the car, open the garage, and then you might see someone in the neighborhood or whatever. But nowadays, what do we do? We push a button, garage door goes up. We drive inside, push another button, garage door goes down. Don't have to walk outside right into the house so that we don't have to see anyone. Come on, Right. And then we get inside of our house and what do we have? We have a little invention that came along in the 80s called the answering machine. How many remember the answering machine? Some of you are too young to remember the days when the phone would ring in order to know who it was on the other end of the line. You actually had to pick it up. Come on, you remember that, right? But then along came the answering machine. And so when the phone would ring, if we didn't know who it was, we'd just let it go to the machine, right? And we could decide whether we wanted to talk to them or not. And then along came, oh man, an amazing invention called the caller ID, right? And so with the caller ID, you didn't even have to let it go to the answer machine. You could just look and see who it was and decide whether you want to talk to them or not, right? And on and on and on and on, I could go with modern conveniences and there's nothing wrong with these things, man. I'm thankful for an attached garage. I'm thankful for an air conditioner when it's 100 degrees outside. And yet, these modern conveniences have drawn us more and more and more and more towards a place of isolation. Not the kind of better together life that God has called us to live. Number four, write this one down, an increase in social media, now, hey, nothing wrong with social media. Like, I'm not against it. We're, I'm on it. I use it. We use it as, as a church to invite and draw people in. In fact, many of you are probably here today because you got to know the church through social media. Praise God for that. Nothing wrong with social media, but we do have to admit that it is re, reinventing the way we view friendships and relationships in our world today, right? Right? I mean instead of working on interpersonal relationships, what do we tend to do? We tend to work on we tend to work on our, our online image. Right, And here's the thing that we really got to know is that nothing wrong with social media except that even though it is a good, a good way to enhance our relationships, it is not a replacement for real interpersonal face-to-face relationships with one another. And here's the truth today, guys. You can have a thousand Facebook friends and still be lonely. And all of our culture is drawing us away from this together life that God intends for us to live. And this is what Solomon is saying about it in, in, in Ecclesiastes, in our passage for today. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you look with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And this is our passage for today. Let's see what he has to say in verse number 8. Look what he says. He says, for there was a man who was what? Who was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? He asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? For this too is meaningless. A miserable business. For two are better. Everybody say this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and there is no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, right Right here in this passage, Solomon tells us, hey, this is why, this is why together is better. And he starts by talking about, about why alone is not good. In fact, he gives us really several different reasons that alone is not good. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. People who live alone, here's what happens. People who do life alone, the first thing that happens is seclusion. In fact, check it out. In verse number eight, he says, for there was a man who was what? Who was alone. You know, the truth is, is that many Americans live their life with people all around them. A thousand Facebook friends, people who live next door in crowded communities, and yet they live their life alone. Gallup did a poll that said Americans are among the loneliest people in all the world. Maybe some of you are here today, and maybe that's what you are experiencing. You have people all around you, but no real and true deep relationships number two what happens when we do life alone is selfishness check this out in verse number eight for his eyes were what were not content with his wealth let me just tell you something guys disconnected people tend to become more selfish When you disconnect yourself from others, here's what happens. The focus turns from others and it turns towards you. And let me just tell you something. When the sum of a person's life is defined by my schedule, my agenda, my desires, my wants, the chances are we're going to become selfish. And over time, disconnected people become self-absorbed and eventually self-centered. And here's what Solomon says. He says, when we do life alone, we wind up being secluded. We wind up being selfish. Number three, write this one down. Sadness. In fact, look what it says in verse number eight. Look, look what it says. This too is meaningless. He says, it is a, a miserable business. Guess what, guys? Being isolated and doing life alone. Guess what? It's miserable It's filled with sadness. In fact, isolated people tend to battle more with discouragement and depression and unhappiness and even despair. You look at it in the scripture. You see Elijah. You remember the story of Elijah when he was afraid the queen was going to kill him. And what did he do? He went away from his servant and all of his friends. And he went and he sat under a tree by himself. And he became depressed even to the point where he was ready to take his own life. And why did he get to that place? He got to that place, I believe, because he isolated himself from everyone else. Number four, write this one down, sickness. man. here's the deal is that research has shown that the most isolated people are three times more likely to die than those that have strong relational connections. Think about that. In fact, one, one researcher came, uh, that I came across did a study that said this, that bad health habits like smoking, eating poorly, or alcohol problems Those that have those habits and yet have strong social ties live significantly longer than people who have great eating habits but are isolated. Man, think about that. Moral of the story in that is it's better to eat Krispy Kreme with your friends than celery all by yourself. I'm just saying. (laughs) Come on. And don't we see this, though? Don't we see this, that people that isolate themselves from others tend to have more health problems? Why? Because they don't, have, they don't have relationships, they don't have people surrounding them. And this is what Solomon is saying, he's saying, hey, doing life alone is not good, because man, there's going to be seclusion, there's, it's going to turn to selfishness and sadness and sickness. And even number five, that it can even turn into sin in our lives. Because how many know when you're by yourself, you are so much more vulnerable to temptation than you are when there are uh, uh, people around you that love you and can hold you accountable and pray with you and be there for you. Come on. We see that even in the scripture. We see it with David. How did he, when did he get into that place where he had the, the affair? It was when all of the rest of the army were away at war and he stayed home by himself. We see it with Peter. When did he deny the Lord? It was when he got away from the rest of the disciples, when he got away from the community, the family of believers. And I'm telling you here today, when you isolate yourself from the rest of the church, from the rest of the people that love you, when you do life alone, I'm telling you, you are more vulnerable to temptation than when you have people around you to support you. We need each other. Doing life together, together is Better, And this is what Solomon is saying. Hey, doing life alone is not good. Doing life together is better. In fact, look what he says in verse number 9. For two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Right here in this passage, Solomon tells us three reasons why together is better. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. The first one is this, because you need help. Come on, everybody look at your neighbors. Tell them, brother, you need, you need help. You, you need some help. Come on. You need help. In fact, look what he says in verse number eight. Look what he says. He says, for there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. Check this out. This is where many of you are here today. You're all alone. You're independent, but guess what? You're worn out, and you're tired. Why are you worn out? Why are you tired? Maybe it's because you're trying to do life by yourself. Maybe it's because you're trying to carry it all on your own. Oh, man, I'm going to be independent. I'm going to have it all taken care of, and I'm going to do it all by myself, and I don't need nobody to help me. But that's not the way God intended for it to be. That's not the way God created you to be. I mean, from the very beginning. I mean, you look back in Genesis and you see when God created the earth, you see, you go back and look in it and, and, it, and it says, hey, He created the stars in the sky, and He created the heavens and the earth, and He said, it is good. And He created the land, and He created the sea, and He said, it is good. And He created the water and the trees. And He said, it is good. And He created the fish of the of the, of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals on the ground. He said, it is good. And then the Bible says, He created man. And He said, it is very good. But then there's a major turn that takes place. In, in the next verse He says now though something is not good and what does he say is not good he says it right there in Genesis 2 18 for it is not good for what for man to be alone and everything is good the earth and the sky and I mean, God God has created perfect man in a perfect garden, in a perfect relationship with God, who has not even yet sinned, and God comes down, and they fellowship together every single day, and yet God still says something is missing. And what was it that was missing? Relationships. It is not good for man to be alone. And so God says, this is what I'll do. I got a solution in verse number 19. I will create a what? Everybody say these words. I will create a... Helpmate for him. Now, when we read that, we think of marriage, and that is what that's talking about, but that's not the only thing that that's talking about. In fact, there is an overarching principle that is here that God says it's not good for a man to be alone. Here's what he needs he needs help. You can't do it on your own. So here's what you need. You need help. Even with relationship with God, even living a life according to God's word is still not enough because God didn't create you to do this life alone. He created you to do life with him and with others. You need Help, Right? You need people in your life to help you. In fact, I mean, the very image of God is the image of these relationships that we're talking about. In fact, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create, we're going we're to create man in our image. Now, notice these words. He doesn't say, let me create man in my image. He says, let us create man in our image. Why does he say us and our? Why, why is it plural? Because we know that God is not just God. He's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit completely together in relationship with one another, right? And this is the image of how God wants us to live in relationship with one another. Just like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God created us to be a part of his family, that we would need each other, that we would depend upon each other. In fact, we are the most like God when we are living in relationship with one another. Come on, I'm preaching today. You need help. Everybody say you need help. Number two, write this one down. You need to help others. Guess what, guys? You were not created to live life only for you. You were created to help others. In fact, it says in Ecclesiastes 4, eight in our text, look what it says. There was a man who was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? For this is meaningless. It is a miserable business. Here's this guy who has all this stuff. He's working really hard, but he's miserable. Life is meaningless. And why is life meaningless? Because he had made life all about him. He says, I got all this stuff but who am i doing it for i'm doing it for me and who am i sharing it with i got nobody to share it with and many of you are here today that man you're working so hard to have all the things that you want in life and you think it's going to make you happy but you can get it all and you can strive and you can toil and in the end it really doesn't mean anything because you don't have anybody to share it with and you don't have a purpose that you are living for that helps someone besides you in fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The most miserable life is the self-centered life. And I got news for you guys. All right, you ready for this? It ain't about you. Come on, everybody say, it ain't about me. It ain't just about you. God didn't create you just to live for you. He created you to be a part of his family. He created you to To help and bless and serve others. In fact, Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says it like this in the Living Bible. It says, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should do what? We should spend these lives helping others. You want to know what God's purpose for your life is? There it is right there. Use your life to help others. We're better. We're better together. Together is Better, you need help. You need to help others. Number three, write this one down. We need to help each other. Check this out. Verse number, verse number nine. For two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Guess what, guys? By yourself, you can only accomplish so much. But when you connect together with other people who all have the same purpose, all moving in the same direction, there is nothing that will be impossible for us. In fact, there is there is a multiplication factor that takes place. That when two come together, you don't just get twice as much work done. You get you get more than that. There's multiplied number of work that can get done. When we come together, working together in synergy and unity and harmony under God's purposes. Two are better than one. We need help. To help others, but we need to come together and help each other so that we can accomplish the vision that God has given us as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ in this world. In fact, that's why God put you in this family that you would be a part, that you would be able to serve and find a place to make a difference, that you would recognize it's not just about me. It's about a greater purpose. It's about a family. It's about people who need me. It's about people who still are on the outside, who have not yet become a part of this family that I'm to go and reach. It's about serving people in the family who have struggles and who are in need. It's about being there for them. It's about coming together and working together for a greater and a higher purpose to see it accomplished for the kingdom and for the glory of God. And it reminds me of one of my favorite favorite movies of all time it's actually a trilogy how many of you like the, uh, the Lord of the Rings come on anybody like the Lord of the Rings movies well, I, I like the Lord of the Rings movies some of y'all are Lord of the Rings nerds out there I can see that and And I'm probably one, too. And I like it. You know, there's a lot of great characters in The Lord of the Rings. But out of all the characters, my favorite one of all in The Lord of the Rings is Sam Wise. Remember Sam Wise? And I tell you, he's not, like, the smartest. He's not the most gifted. He's not the best-looking one or or any of that kind of thing. He's not the greatest in battle or whatever. But what I love about Sam is Sam is the most loyal friend. In fact, throughout all three of those movies, like 14 hours worth of watching, you know, all those movies... And Sam is right there with his friend Frodo the entire way. And, man, he pledges himself that I'm going to be there to help Frodo to accomplish the goal of saving the world and taking the ring to the fires of Mountain Dune or whatever. And, <laughs> and right, like, and through the whole trilogy, they, man, they go through they go through battle after battle. I mean, they're, they're walking through hell together until at the very end on the very last one. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it is like a 14-year-old movie. So if you haven't seen it, just too bad, you know. <laughs> And at the, at the end, at the end, I mean, Frodo is just worn out from the weight of carrying that burden to, to save the world and whatever. And he falls down and he can't go a step further. And Sam looks at him and says, my favorite line of the whole trilogy, he looks at him and he says, "He says, Frodo, I may not be able to carry your burden, but I can carry you. You know, and he picks him up and he carries him up. And when I, when I think of that movie, I think about this is what the family of God is like. In fact, this is what I believe Ecclesiastes is talking about in this passage. He says, for if either of them what if either of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity on the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The Bible is talking about, hey, some of you are here in this room today and you have fallen and you don't have people to pick you up. And I'm telling you, you need people in your life. So that when those times come, when you struggle, when you're going through the difficulties that we all face in life, we need friends that love us, friends that can pray with us, friends that can be there for us, friends that can encourage us, friends that can kick us in the rear when we need it every now and then, friends that are there for us, friends that say, I can't carry your burden, but I'm going to carry you, that when you fall, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to do this thing together. Together is better. Some of you have been doing life alone. God has invited you to become a part of his family. And it's not just about believing. It's about belonging. And here's what I'm challenging you. What are you waiting for? Like, why wouldn't you want this kind of life? Why wouldn't you want the strength that comes from doing life together? This is what God's all about. This is what we are all about. And some of you are here today, and you're a guest, and you're just checking things out. And let me just tell you, man, I want you to be a part of the family here at LifeGate. And if you're not a part of the family here at LifeGate, be a part of some church family, some local family. Get in. Get involved. It doesn't have to be LifeGate. I'm telling you, you're not going to find one better than LifeGate. But you can try, and we'll see you back in about six weeks, all right? But I'm just, I'm just messing around. But I'm saying, why, why not? You know what, here in about about a month, we're gonna launch our fall semester of life groups. And I'm telling you, if you are not in a life group, this is where this stuff happens. On Sundays, we come together and we get, to, we get to worship God, get to know him on a more intimate level. And we get to, man, that's, that's awesome. But guess what? We don't have these type of together type relationships really happen on Sundays. You know where it happens? It happens in, in smaller groups when we get together. That's where we find our freedom. That's where we find our healing. That's where we find these relationships that together we are better.